Gavin Dalton, uh, your fellow at St Cross College, um, Oxford, and Professor of Astrophysics at the Department of Physics, University of Oxford, and a Merit Fellow in Science and Technology Facilities Council at the Rutherford Appleton Laboratory. Gavin, um, when did you come to Oxford and uh, to St Cross College? I came to Oxford in 1986 as an undergraduate, fresh out of school. Um, this was something of a surprise to me in some sense because it was not my path if I'd gone back another five years, but it, it was the way things worked out. I came to study physics. Um, I stayed here to do a, a doctorate in astrophysics, which was the thing that I had always wanted to do. Um, and at the end of that doctorate, I managed to make myself sufficiently useful to my supervisor that I secured a postdoc. I stayed as a postdoc from 1992 until 1996, where I had become even more useful and therefore been granted the privilege of a, a temporary lectureship. And in 2002, that was converted into a full-time position uh, with the bizarre consequence of being split half-time between Oxford and the Rutherford Lab. Um, very complicated story there, but um, that's how I came to St. Cross. Uh, the, the nature of that position meant that it pretty much had to be at a graduate college. And here is where I am and here is where I stay. <laughs> so Gavin, Oxford man and boy, um, uh, since you came to St. Cross College, what, what has St. Cross meant to you and for you? It, it means many things on many levels. It's a fantastic way of disconnecting from what happens in my office and my lab and the things around me. It, it's a fantastic place to come and eat lunch because the lunch here is superb. But aside from the sort of general interactions and the, the, the cross-fertilization of ideas out of my own field, just talking to people about other things that allows a cleansing of the intellectual palate, if you like. Um, it's a fantastic institution, and to see how that works out in the lives of the students and the fellowship of the governing body and the fact that there's so much different things going on here, so many things that um, you come out of your little bubble of your own office, you can talk about anything for 25 minutes, have lunch, and you go out of here in a, a different mindset. Uh, and that's something I find very valuable. Fantastic. Now, um, you've mentioned your, your office, your laboratory, um, cleansing of the intellectual palate. Um, can you tell me something about your, your intellectual palate, about your research, Kevin? Well, I started with my doctorate in, in looking at clusters of galaxies. Um, Clusters of galaxies are large structures um, that comprise most of the universe. And um, looking at the distribution of those structures with a view to constraining our understanding of how the universe is, the, the picture of cosmology, how the universe formed, how it was built. The logical consequence of what I was doing was that I, I got involved in a, a, a new survey to, to study galaxies, but the distribution of hundreds of thousands of galaxies. I got very involved in a, a large project to, to measure hundreds of thousands of distances to galaxies. And I got involved in writing software and making myself useful. Life is all about making yourself useful. So we 
worked through that project. We measured the, um, the mass density of the universe um, in a way which demonstrated that we'd finally managed to reach a survey size that was large enough to be statistically complete. And, and we reached what we call the end of greatness. So what you see in the universe is you see galaxies, and then you see clusters of galaxies, and then you see superclusters of galaxies. And every time you made these measurements from a new survey, the numbers were different depending on the survey size. And we finally got to a point where the survey size was big enough that as we increased it, the number has stabilized. So now we know the mass density of the universe. Okay. And that's terrifying because it's 30% of the number we thought it would be. That scares me. So, so that led to, it, it was a piece of a puzzle, but it led to, in, in part, something now called concordance cosmology and the, understand, the understanding that the universe is accelerating. So that was very unpleasant to all of us because it wasn't the answer we were expecting. Um, but that was my part in that. And then I drifted on and I drifted back into instrumentation because I'd, I'd got into this through the, the surveys and I made myself useful by, by helping to interface the science to the, to the technology. And the next thing that happened was that somebody said to me I should go away and build another instrument. So I started building another instrument. I went to Japan. I sold them the idea of building a very expensive instrument for their Rolls-Royce telescope on, on the big island of Hawaii. Um, Whereabouts in Japan? Oh, I, I went all over Japan. So at 27 years old, I was doing a um, three-week lecturing tour of Japan, paid for by the Japanese government to try mm -hmm. to proselytize on, on this idea of, okay. of large-scale surveys. And we got $15 million out of it, so that was, that was quite good. We got a nice instrument. Um, at the same time, that drifted into this position here at St. Cross and, and the fellowship at Rutherford Lab, and I started working on imaging. So I finished up suggesting to people that we should build a new telescope in Chile. Um, this consequentially coincided with the government announcing a huge amount of money for laboratory infrastructure, and we were able to get all of the UK universities together and bid for a, a, money for a new telescope. And as a, a strange sort of sleight of hand, I finished up building the camera for that telescope, and then I finished up taking the whole thing down to Chile and spending six months making it work, getting the, getting the telescope working. That is a fantastic experience that you just cannot imagine, and very few people ever get to do it. But Would that um, be a once-in-a-lifetime experience? I, I might get to do it again, but, but it's, <laughs> it, you build on experience, mm. and, and to, to do this from scratch and, and to work through it, you learn so much about how the technology mm. actually works and, and the relatively simple but quite annoying mathematics of how to map the sky to the detector and, and to, to track the sky. Um, I learned a lot, it was great. And uh, I finished that and I started working on the next project, but the next project dovetails in with, with another set of stories. So perhaps we should okay. move, move on a little bit from there and come back to it. Okay, save that for another time. So um, I can see all kinds of it's sort of important consequences of the work you've done. What do you think has been the, the most important uh, uh, outcome? Well, I think it, it's a tremendous privilege to have been part of this development of, of modern-day cosmology and, and, and this, this big puzzle. Um, again, it was not really part of the plan. We were setting out to make one measurement. I think the big picture was always there. But the way in which that measurement became 
used and, and has worked towards things has been something that I'm very proud of. So that's one aspect of it. I think the other side of it is, again, this telescope to have triggered a project, seen a whole team of people build it, put it together, go down, make it work, and get to the point where it's now a facility instrument. It's out there in the community. It never writes, it never talks, it never sends me postcards. It just works. Just works. And, and it's great. And a truly interdisciplinary venture, I would imagine. Yes, I, I have um, drifted out of cosmology into technology in many regards. So I work on uh, mechanics, and I work on optics design, and I work on a little bit of electronics and software, and survey design, survey engineering. Um, and I like to describe what I do as... Um, getting to spend all day sitting around in rooms full of very intelligent people asking very stupid questions. And, and it's an interesting part of the design process, but, but you have a team and everybody knows what they're doing. They know their, their discipline and, and they're very focused on it. And you need somebody who has the big picture to come up, well, what about this? And, and you ask these questions and most of the time you ask these questions and you know that somebody's going to say, yeah, yeah, that's fine, not a problem, we, we thought about it. And Every so often you have one of these light bulb moments where you, you sit in a room and you ask a question and it's kind of a jovial, just toss it out, see what happens. And, and every so often people suddenly go, oh, oh, we need to think about that. And, and you go away and, and, and you realize that the whole process of technological endeavor and development is in some sense very serious and very thorough design. And, a lot of happy accidents thrown in, mm. sometimes unhappy accidents as well, but, but you, it, it's a great privilege to be in that situation and contribute in that way without being the person who knows the real core details of how yeah. this piece of mechanics works. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So, so Gavin, what's, uh, you know, what, what, what does the future bring to you? What are you, what are you looking towards at the moment? So, so right now I'm working on two things. One is another instrument that's very much based on what we were doing um, with the Redshift survey back in 2000. Um, I have a team of about 100 people working for me building this instrument around Europe. It, it will be complete by the end of the year. It goes to the Canary Islands. Um, and that's been a 10-year slog to get to the point where that instrument is ready. Once it's commissioned, we have five years of observations. We'll measure 10 million spectra of stars in the Milky Way. We, we tie this in with data from a satellite that's flying at the moment called Gaia. You can find that on the ESA website. And we will measure the, the distribution of um, the velocity field of the Milky Way. So if effectively we get the full phase space of position and motion and, and therefore energy, dynamics, of everything that's happening in the galaxy. And the science team that is working on this is about 500 strong. But what we can do is we can start to map out the structure of the Milky Way halo, uh, the influence of, of the detailed distribution of dark matter. Uh, we can look at the, the evolution of stars. We get chemistry. We can look at the evolutionary history of the Milky Way from the chemistry. And you see that individual stars are tagged by a sort of chemical fingerprint of the environment in which they formed. So as the galaxy forms, a star cluster will form. All of the stars forming in that star cluster form more or less at the same time. They have more or less the same chemistry, 
and then they um, diversify, they move out from the cluster, they get absorbed by the galaxy as a whole, and, and they are completely dynamically mixed within the disk. You cannot find this cluster other than by the chemical fingerprint. So it's sort of um, forensics, it's forensic archaeology of the Milky Way. Wow, amazing. A really dumb question. Do you do, can you do phylogenies of stars? According to these kind of signatures, you have to translate phylogeny for them. Oh, just uh, um, ancestral trees, like you would in evolutionary um, studies, for example. Not so much in the sense of an ancestral tree, but but you, you can you can tag say a thousand stars <laughs> anywhere within the disk of the Milky Way and say these thousand stars all formed in a single event okay. this far back, and that was probably associated with a subclump, a small galaxy falling into the Milky Way halo, and is, is part of the assembly history of the galaxy. So y you can sort of do the, if you like, the phylogeny of the galaxy itself, okay. perhaps not of the stars, but but there are several thousand events that happen over cosmic time that build up what we now see in the night sky as, as our home, our galaxy. Okay, fantastic. Well, Gavin Dalton, um, big thinking at St. Cross, thank you. Thank you.